Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our newest member of the Device Talks podcast family. It's called Medtronic Talks. Our constant search to find new ways to bring you insights in the medtech industry led us to the fine, fine folks at Medtronic. They've agreed to make their senior leaders available to us and to you. In each episode, we'll discuss the opportunities and challenges facing one of medtech's clear leaders, so you'll have an inside view on what makes Medtronic go. We'll ask the questions, Medtronic will provide the answers, and our great network of sponsors makes it all possible. So sit back, hop on a treadmill, take the dog for a walk, whatever you do when you listen to a great podcast and let's listen to how Medtronic is getting the job done. Let's go. Hey everyone, this is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to the Medtronic Talks podcast. In this episode, I'll speak with David Moeller. Dave is a senior vice president at Medtronic. He's also president of the Peripheral Vascular Health Group. In this interview, I will talk with David about his path into medtech. His introduction started with a life-saving procedure that needed to be performed on his newborn son. That experience allowed David to see the importance of the medtech industry, and he has been a crucial part of it ever since. Now he oversees Medtronic's Peripheral Vascular Group, which of course helps keep the blood flowing to the brain, the heart, and other vital organs. In this episode, David lays out the health crisis brought on by poor vasculature and explains how Medtronic is targeting five critical areas to help people live fuller lives and, of course, to grow the business. Before we start this episode, I'd like to bring in our sponsor, Tegra Medical. I'm here with Mike Trelevin. Mike is Senior Vice President of Engineering at Tegra Medical. Mike, why don't you tell us about your company? Tegra Medical is, as our tagline says, where medical devices come to life. We contract manufacture complex components and devices exclusively for the medical device industry. We have a large range of manufacturing technologies like laser processing, precision machining, and injection molding. And we make single-use and reusable devices, many of which are for minimally invasive surgeries in areas such as cardiovascular, orthopedic, spine, drug delivery, and many others. Tegra Medical was created by combining companies that were experts with certain manufacturing technologies. It was all part of a strategy to create a single contract manufacturing organization with the synergies to offer true end-to-end contract manufacturing. We'll hear more from Mike Trelevin of Tegra Medical a little later in the podcast. If you want more information on Tegra Medical, go to Tegra. Tegra is spelled T-E-G-R-A medical.com. Well, David Moeller, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. Thank you for having me. I should be thanking you. I've been reading your uh, articles for several years, so Oh, very cool! Thanks for keeping me informed and educated. That's awesome. Now it's been a it's been a, a nice uh, some nice interesting topics to write about. I've had a few great opportunities, so I appreciate that that comment. Uh, but uh, I do want to uh, follow up on or, or learn more about the per- peripheral vascular group that you lead. But first, I'd like to find out how you uh, found your way into the medtech industry. You didn't start right from the beginning, correct? You know, I had uh, coming out of undergraduate, I had very little interest in healthcare, to be honest. It was while I was in, um, in graduate school when my oldest child was born. Um, he, he, was, he was actually diagnosed in the womb with a critically severe heart defect. Oh, my gosh. And uh, so we knew that, he, that an intervention would be required just within a few hours of being born um, uh, or it would be fatal. And so oh my God. For, for whatever reason, the doctors allowed me to be in the room after his birth, as they decided what approach to take, whether to do an open heart uh, surgery or 
or at least to attempt a, a minimally invasive approach to open up his heart valve. And so they decided on the latter and they used, I think they used a coronary balloon to open up his, his heart valve and it was actually very successful. And so he's now a, a healthy, uh, in his late teens, he loves to run and play sports. And, and I, I remember uh, thanking Dr. Nihil who performed the procedure and I'll never forget what he said at the time, because he said, it, it's not rocket science. It's just plumbing. <laughs> and I got, and that's, and that's really what got me excited about, about med tech. And, uh, and so, and so that's what got me here. So how did you, uh, how did you act on that? Uh, what were you doing at the time and, and what did, uh, what was your first job in med tech? Yep. I was in business school at the time. It was, he was actually born between my first and second years of business school. I knew at the time several people who had actually gone to intern at Medtronic and people a year ahead of me who had gone to work for Medtronic and came back and they were raving about this, um, this mission-driven company. And uh, they seemed very, very happy. They seemed happier. I was on my way, probably most likely to Wall Street and uh, they seemed happier. <laughs> so, <laughs> And, uh, and so I, I, that's how, that's what led me to, to Medtronic. All right. Well, you've, uh, been there, uh, close to 20 years or 18, over 18 years. So I guess, uh, I guess you're happy as well. That's right. That's right. Over 18 years. And it's been, yeah, it's been quite a journey. Well, let's talk about your, uh, peripheral vascular health group. Uh, give us a, an overview. Uh, this is one of the new groups created during the reorganization, correct? That's right. It's, a, it's an interesting group because I never really thought about it. We, we, we talk about all these destination places, the heart, the lungs, the brain, but there's a highway in between it all. Is that, is that all your domain? That's exactly right. That's exactly how I think of it is, you know, Medtronic has, has uh, other businesses that are really dedicated to optimizing blood flow to the brain and a business um, dedicated to optimizing blood flow to the heart. And we're, for the most part, we're pretty much everything else, optimizing blood flow elsewhere. We have a we have a purpose statement in our business that says uh, we get people back to fuller lives, the mm -hmm. right, the right blood flow for the right patients. And so, and, and, and the right blood flow is this both for arteries and veins, but it's also, you know, um, more flow in some cases, stopping flow in some cases, diverting flow. So it's pretty, it's pretty diverse. And I, I think what's most exciting to me, Tom is um, in, in this space, when you think about it, um, the degree of unmet needs that remain in this space are, are pretty exciting. So, so I, I can give you a couple examples. One is um, just the number of amputations. We think of in the United States alone, about 140,000 amputations a year in the U.S. caused by peripheral artery disease. And we think that a lot of those are really avoidable. And over half of those people getting amputations are not getting revascularized or having their blood vessel opened hmm. um, for the year prior to getting an amputation. And uh, you know, another another example is chronic venous insufficiency. If you think about varicose veins, you know, and a lot of people think of that as as more of a cosmetic issue, um, but it's it's a it's a progressive disease. It leads to um, pain and swelling and discomfort and, and less mobility and even venous ulcers. And in, and in many parts of the world today, vein stripping, which is as, as barbaric as it sounds, is still, <laughs> it's still the standard of care. And so, so there's some glaring unmet needs. So we're trying to solve those unmet needs with you know, evidence, 
with technology and with, with market development. What are the challenges of focusing on this area? Is it that there's no, uh, I mean, I'm sure there are medical societies that cover it, but is there a community like there would be for the heart or the lungs, the brain or, or other organs? Is, it, is there just little attention paid again because it's the sort of the in-between space between all those organs? Yeah, it, you know, the way we look at it, Tom, is in, I would say, in five distinct markets. So I, I think each of those markets has their own societies and advocacy. Um, so it's not probably one that crosses all of them. And that's what mm-hmm. I think what makes it complex, and but also what makes it very interesting. And so those five distinct markets that we play in are uh, the first two I've highlighted two. One is peripheral artery disease. The other is superficial venous. Those two make up the majority of our of our current business today. The other three are are really exciting, uh, high growth markets that we're we're trying to really accelerate our participation in those markets. So those would be the arterial venous fistula market or AV fistula mm-hmm. space, the deep venous space, and the peripheral embolization space. And well, I guess maybe we should just kind of walk through the the. The, the challenges of each, but I, before we do that, though, what clinicians service all those spaces? Is it, is it one or two specialists, one or two physicians that you're sort of targeting when you're trying to get uh, information about your products uh, into hands, is, or is it uh, is it as many different specialties as as you've just outlined uh, diseases? I'm going to take a quick break from this conversation to bring back our sponsor, Tegra Medical. I'm here again with Mike Trelevin, Senior Vice President of Engineering at Tegra Medical. Mike, you mentioned end-to-end solutions. Tell me more about what makes Tegra Medical's end-to-end solutions different than other companies. Well, many contract manufacturers claim to offer end-to-end solutions, but in reality, their expertise is focused in one area like plastics or simply assembly and packaging. When they say end-to-end, what they really mean is they offer supply chain management. And we like to differentiate ourselves because what we offer is far from just supply chain management. Tegra Medical is vertically integrated, allowing us to do the metal and plastics. We support our customers, beginning with our Genesis Tech Center product development services and extending all the way through manufacturing, finished devices, packaging, and sterilization management. This is really helpful in today's environment where regulatory processes are so stringent. It allows us to be under a single quality management system for an entire project. Mike, tell me, what are some of the deciding factors that go into an OEM's decision to choose Tegra Medical to make their device? We're known for not only creating sharp devices, but, and this is more difficult, keeping them sharp. We're able to manufacture the metal business end of a device and then keep it sharp all the way through the entire manufacturing process, including insert molding, which often causes issues with other manufacturers. No surgeon wants to find out an instrument isn't sharp enough while in the operating room. The other thing our customers really appreciate is that we're willing to manufacture the devices others find too difficult to make. For example, creating devices and implants with anatomical bends is very precise work. We've developed a proprietary process for creating the anatomical bends in intermedullary nails without compromising the implants, holes, and slots. We've often taken on work that other manufacturers walked away from because it was too difficult and or too hard to do efficiently. Our years of experience making implants has positioned us well for challenges like this, and we look forward to tackling more of them. 
That's great stuff, Mike Chalevin. Thank you for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. And thanks, of course, to Tegra Medical for sponsoring. If you'd like more information, you can find it at tegramedical.com. That's T-E-G-R-A medical.com. What clinicians service all those spaces? Is it, is it one or two specialists, one or two physicians that you're sort of targeting when you're trying to get uh, information about your products uh, into hands? Is, or is it, uh, is it as many different specialties as, as you've just outlined uh, diseases? Yeah, it's a lot of different specialties. So mm-hmm. uh, the, our predominant customers would be uh, vascular surgeons, interventional cardiologists, interventional radiologists. And those three specialists do, for example, peripheral artery disease procedures, all three of those specialties, and in different levels of concentration in different parts of the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, now we're, and now we're working even more so with interventional nephrologists as well now as we get into that, into that uh, AV fistula space. So lots, mm-hmm. of different, lots of different physician specialties, lots of different sites of care. Um, it's it's uh, complex. Let's talk about the different spaces in your offerings there. What do you offer in the AV fistula space? Yeah, um, we're really excited about the, the AV fistula space. Um, we, about a year ago, uh, we acquired a company called Avenue. Mm-hmm. And uh, Avenue is a company that offers a, a really uh, a great device for the percutaneous creation of AV fistulas. So, AV fistulas have basically been created the same way surgically for about the last 50 years with, with very little innovation. And now along comes this technology that with one, you know, with a needle stick and inserting a catheter in the arm into the, into the vein and then through the vein into the art, into the uh, artery, and then pull the two together and using thermal energy can, can fuse the two together to create a durable fistula. Hmm. And uh, by doing so, they can, they can do this in a way that uh, heals faster, that matures faster and leaves less, less scarring. And I think importantly, if you know anyone who gets, um, who, who gets hemodialysis, it's hard to keep these fistulas open. And they're frequently going back for maintenance procedures to try and keep these, these uh, fistulas active and open. And uh, so fewer repeat procedures as well. So, um, you know, another area in that AV fistula space, we've, we've applied our drug-coated balloons to those AV fistulas, and uh, we now have really exciting clinical data in that space as well, where um, if you compare a drug-coated balloon to an uncoated balloon, uh, it requires uh, fewer than half the number of interventions to keep those fistulas open. So the combination of creating the fistula with that with the, the ellipsis device from Avenue and, mm-hmm. then, and then using our drug coated balloon to keep it open um, is a really powerful combination. And now that data is really, really groundbreaking data that has been published in the New England Journal of Medicine. So with the Avenue acquisition that was last year, last September, are they, uh, I'm just curious, are they operating as a, as a separate entity or have you brought them, uh, integrated them into, into Medtronic? Yeah, we're in the process of integrating them into Medtronic. Mm-hmm. It, it was a relatively small company and, we, and we've had a very uh, successful integration and they're largely kind of integrated into our, into our processes. And, and that's, as I said, we have those five spaces and now we take the AVF space 
both the both the maintenance and the creation of those fistulas is one of those distinct markets that we look at. Excellent. All right. Well, let's move into the uh, into the peripheral space next. Talk about uh, your your offerings there. Yeah, sure. It, you know, this is our this is today our our the largest of those five markets that I talked about, and um, but surprisingly, a lot of still unmet needs and a lot of underpenetration. So let me just maybe highlight two of the significant unmet needs that we're working on. The first is in the is peripheral artery disease in the lower leg and or or below the knee. Mm-hmm. And this is a really complex problem. Um, many of these patients also have diabetes. Um, they have diffuse disease. It's it's calcified. And for many of them, if not treated, it can lead to amputation uh, and also a much higher likelihood of death. And so the outcomes there are still um, far from, from optimal and, and stenting in these long lesions has, has really not been associated with strong outcomes. And we think that, that drug-coated balloons and our drug-coated balloon in particular has a lot of potential here. And we've been working on that for, for, for a while. Um, and we think it has a lot of potential, you know, including the fact that you can leave nothing behind, uh, in case you need to do a future intervention. Mm-hmm. And so, but this hasn't yet been proven in a randomized controlled trial. And, and that's where we're going next. We'd like to really prove that. Um, I think another that I'd really like to highlight another significant unmet need in peripheral artery disease is accurate diagnosis, uh, of peripheral artery disease and its severity and, and when you think you've done enough to treat it. And um, we have a technology called Flomet. And this is a, um, a very simple device if you place it on the patient's toe mm-hmm. and it has, a, it has a laser diode on one side, a camera on the other, and it can measure both the flow and the pulsatility or, or the waveform uh, of the patient. We think the combination of those two can really be effective, uh, more effective than standard of care of, of diagnosing the patient. This Tom, this could be analogous to uh, fractional flow reserve or, or FFR, what that did in the coronary space to kind of mm. give, a, give a threshold of when you need to intervene. And um, so we, we've launched that device for, for physicians, at least to be able to monitor intraprocedurally the blood flow and to see the change in the blood flow, you know, in a procedure whose goal is all about improving the blood flow. So they can see how much did they improve the flow. And, uh, and we're in the process of conducting the clinical trial to, to, uh, to pr- provide the proof of it as a diagnostic as well to, to show how severe the disease is and when you need to intervene. So it's interesting. So you're doing the clinical trial on, on this device and, and it's undergoing currently? Correct. And how is that, how is that uh, structured and, and who are the clinical, uh, who are the clinicians sort of uh, managing that for you? Is it, uh, are they uh, being a specialist or is that something you'd get in a sort of a GP checkup kind of thing? Uh, yeah. The, the, the physicians who are doing this uh, study for us are the interventionalists. So it would be okay. surgeon, the vascular surgeons or interventional cardiologists or interventional radiologists who, who do the procedure and they're comparing the device that is similar to the way you would do an, an FFR study mm-hmm. where they were comparing to the, 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 the pressure to the standard of care here, they will compare it to um, the diagnosis that they get 
from an from an ankle ankle brachial index or a toe brachial index, an ABI or TBI, and to prove that correlation, and then and then follow up the patient to see the progression of the disease. And uh, you spoke earlier about the uh, about the the clinical trial you want to run on your uh, the pivotal clinical trial you want to run the drug coated balloon. What is the status of that? We're still in the process of of designing that study. As as you probably know, Tom, we've done a couple of trials already mm-hmm. um, with with previous technology and now with now with newer technology. And we feel like we've we've proven that we can get the effect, the desired effect below the knee. And now we have to design the, the larger kind of pivotal randomized uh, controlled trial. How, how receptive or how hungry are these uh, physicians for this type of technology? Uh, do they see the need for, for better ways to diagnose and, and to treat? And do you anticipate with, with the right data that this will, uh, these will get traction? I absolutely do. I think there's f- for both. First, first I'd say for, for below the knee, it's probably uh, the largest unmet need. And I think there are lots of different technologies and clinical trials um, ongoing or about to be run. I think the next five uh, plus years is going to be a really exciting time mm-hmm. in, in improving the care for below the knee. So there's a, there's a big hunger for that. And then with regards to the diagnosis with something that this simple, uh, a device that this simple to use, and uh, if the clinical data can then prove it out, that could be really, really exciting. Well, let's let's cover superfi- superficial venous. I'm having trouble saying that today. Uh, what are your uh, what products are you offering there, and, and where are you making uh, making progress? Yeah, we are the uh, we're the market leader there. We have uh, multiple technologies. We have both uh, thermal and non thermal technologies. L- l- let me talk about our our non thermal product. It's called Venus Seal uh, for closing the, the the unhealthy superficial veins and then diverting the flow over to the healthy deep veins. And uh, this, this technology, so it, it, it doesn't use heat, it uses a, a medical adhesive. So it immediately closes those unhealthy veins. And so it avoids those, it avoids the multiple needle sticks that are used in some, in some alternative procedures that, that are necessary to apply the, the local anesthesia. So it's a much more, it's a simple, comfortable procedure. Um, the recovery is, is quick. And uh, the patients aren't required to wear the, the compression stockings. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but, but what I want to say about this is the adoption is really uh, currently hindered by uh, limited coverage and reimbursement uh, with the commercial payers. And so we're in the process of, of collecting the uh, clinical data um, to, to add to the body of existing clinical evidence to really prove it out to support reimbursement. The other thing I'll say about this, I think, Combined with the clinical data, um, this is this is one of those areas that I think will be really interesting um, with with direct to consumer advertising, direct to consumer marketing as well. Just because just because of how effective and comfortable um, uh, and how fast the recovery is for for this procedure. And and is that something you've you've started and and what what would that look like is this is this for people who are suffering some discomfort to kind of alert them to the idea that there's a way to to ease that pain or are you already reaching out to people who are in the in the treatment process for this yeah it would be a very targeted approach to um, number one 
uh, I mentioned earlier, patients can go you know, 10 to 20, 30 years with this disease and, and just not decide to go get any treatment. So part mm-hmm. of it is part of it is just the awareness. But I think specifically this technology, if people understood that there was a technology this simple and this nearly you know, pain-free with such quick recovery, um, that they would actually prefer this approach. And so, so it'd be targeted at, the, at both awareness, but also the specific approach. So let's move into uh, into deep venous. Is this uh, what 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 do you have uh, going on there? We uh, we recently launched a self expanding stent called the Abre stent. Uh, I don't I don't think that everybody uh, appreciates that stenting the the deep veins is how how different that is from stenting the arteries. And so this is a this is a device. Um, both the stent itself, but also the delivery system designed specifically for stenting in, in the deep veins that the texture is different. It's more pliable. Um, it's important to select the right patients, get the sizing appropriate and accurate deployment. And so this is a technology that does that particularly well. And uh, we're really excited uh, for the continued, uh, I would say, safe and responsible growth in, in this space. Where are our deep veins? Are they in our legs or? Yeah. So mostly we're talking about to the, where this Aubrey stent would be used predominantly would be in the iliac vein, which is down kind of in the upper part of your, of your thigh. And uh, what is, is there any current treatment for, can anything be done uh, for those veins at this point, or is this yes. a, a new technology? So stenting has been done there for, for quite a long time, but it's been fairly underpenetrated because other, you know, the stents for uh, other parts of the body were kind of used there and not used totally effectively. And so there have been very few that were really designed specifically for this until very recently. So it has really started to grow dramatically very, very recently with more, with better technology that are, that are dedicated for this space. Uh, another, another key area that we're investing in, in, uh, in the deep venous space is the, is venous thromboembolism extraction. And so we're, we're uh, taking a two-pronged approach there. And so when we talk about venous thromboembolism, that's a fancy way of talking about mostly uh, DVTs or deep vein thrombosis and, mm-hmm. and pulmonary embolism. And so we're, we're interested in the space and we're taking a two-pronged approach with technology, leveraging technology from other parts of Medtronic uh, for, for aspiration, uh, as well as investing in the, in the mechanical extraction of, of clot. And we think it's a, it's a large enough market with uh, different enough needs for, for both of those approaches. And so uh, we have investments in both and are excited to enter that space. So you, you made the successful acquisition of Avenue. I'm just curious, what is the uh, opportunity like for uh, acquiring other smaller companies? Are there a lot of startups addressing these diseases? Do you see a lot of opportunities for, for future tuck-ins? Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for asking that question because we have had a, a a fairly regular cadence, at least over the last couple of years, of of tuck-in acquisitions, where there's a where's a where there's a technology that's differentiated that solves uh, a need that we haven't been able to solve yet. We're we're on the on the prowl for those technologies, and I anticipate uh, to to continue. There are a lot of stock startups. That are solving these problems, and I would con- uh, anticipate a continued cadence of of those tuck-in acquisitions. 
Well, that's great. And final question, I've asked others uh, how the reorganization ha- has worked for them. Uh, this is an interesting alignment, I think. And uh, how, how are you viewed in sort of the, the constellation of operating units at, at Medtronic? And uh, what do you see if the future looking like for, uh, for this business? As I've described, Tom, we work in, uh, operate in five distinct market segments. And in each of those, there are some significant unmet needs and uh, unmet needs that we feel like we can solve. And I I really believe that over the next five to 10 years in this space, it's gonna be an exciting time to see the improvement. Um, And in in three ways that I've talked about, improvements in the technology, improvements in the clinical evidence, and clinical evidence, not just to prove where we are today, but but expanding into, into new areas, applying existing technology into new areas. And then market development, just making sure that all of the patients who could benefit from our therapies uh, can receive it. So we're really excited to lead the way. Fantastic. Well, it's been great to, uh, to hear your story and, uh, and to have you on the podcast, Dave. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much, Tom. Well, that is a wrap. Thanks for joining us on this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Once again, my name is Tom Salemi. I am Editorial Director of Device Talks. You can find this and other Device Talks podcasts at devicetalks.com. You can find past, present, and future episodes of the Medtronic Talks podcast on medtronic.com. You can also subscribe at any major podcast application, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Apple, we're out there. So please do subscribe. Please do share this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Please do connect with me as you share this episode on social media. I am on LinkedIn, Tom, S-A-L-E-M-I. I am on Twitter at MedTechTom. Would love to be part of your future MedTech conversations. We'll be back with a new episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast after Thanksgiving. So I hope you all have a wonderful Thanksgiving holiday and well-deserved break. Take care.